do just that this morning at this altar as we uh, seek the Lord together as individuals and also pray for our nation. Our nation is 247 years old in two days. It just seems like the bicentennial was 47 years and two days ago, doesn't it? Remember that? 1607, 104 men made their way to Jamestown, Virginia. I don't know specifically what they did there, but there was a lot of pottery involved, as far as I know. When I was there, that's what I saw. On 1216 of 1620, the pilgrims first landed in Cape Cod. Well, they actually landed in 1111 of 1620 and made their way to Plymouth on the 16th, almost a month later of December, where they found uh, a previous space inhabited by the Wampanoag people who had had a terrible illness and had vacated the area. These were religious separatists. They were fleeing religious persecution of the royal crown and Plymouth was their starting point. It had plentiful water supply, it had a good harbor, it had already been inhabited, the fields had been cleared, nice little location on the hill, they favored the place, and they lived on the ship at night and worked on the land and the community during the day. And that humble beginning started the population of this land. On April 19, 1775, the Revolutionary War began basically because of taxation without representation. The colonists fighting the British in the streets of our colonies. And it wasn't until January, or July 4th, as you know, 1776, that our forefathers penned the Declaration of Independence. The war ended in September 3rd of 1783. Now, what about these forefathers? Do you know how long it took them to write the Declaration of Independence? That's right, 17 days. It seemed quick to me. Nothing happens in 17 days in the mountains. You can't get a bug spray guy to come out in 17 days. You can't get a plumber. You're not gonna get any electrician. 17 months. They wrote the Declaration of Independence in 17 days under the leadership primarily of the first draft, Thomas Jefferson. And by unanimous declaration of the 13 colonies at the time of what we called the United States of America, we became independent, or so we declared. According to the Second Continental Congress in a meeting at the Pennsylvania State House, which later became named, and you know it today, as Independence Hall. The preamble of that document says this, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I have this exactly as it was originally written, spelling and capitalization. Notice the word rights, life, liberty, and happiness were all capitalized. Interesting. What is an unalienable right? It is a right granted to a person never to be taken away, never to be separated from the possessor. 
never to be alien to the populace, rights that are unalienable, non-separable, non-negotiable, forever. I want to talk to you today about three key words. First is life. Life. You have your life. Others have theirs. You are a steward of your own life. You are a manager of your own life. Your life. You use your own volition in life. You make choices in life. You prioritize in your life. You make decisions about life. You marry. You raise families. You build companies. You work in the marketplace. It's your life. It's what you do. It's the choices you make. It's the input and investment of others in your life that makes you who you are. It's, it's in part where you live and what rights you have, the freedoms you have to make those choices, to make and capitalize on your one shot on this earth, your life. That's what you have. And you are guaranteed by an unalienable right to life in this country by our Declaration of Independence. You have a right to live and to live your life in accordance within the boundaries of the laws of the land in any way, shape, or form. You can worship who you want to worship. You can live the way you want to live. Life. In fact, you're even given, later, you're given more rights. Sometimes we get confused about these rights. Uh, Pastor Mark and Angie and I were eating dinner last night, and we were reminiscing about uh, Steve Henson. He was our worship leader here a while back started a choir for us, did a fabulous job. He was in a rehearsal one day and he was new. He's trying to set the ground rules for how we do things around here. And he's trying to find a delicate way to say that I want all of you ladies to wear sleeves. What he, what he really didn't say was, I don't want you raising your hand and everyone looking at your armpits. That's what he was really saying. Apparently, there was someone there that night who thought it was prudent, like, like she had been reading the preamble or the Bill of Rights. She says, excuse me, I'm sorry. I know you're new in everything and you may not know how we do it up here, but I have a right to bear arms. <laughs> it took me like three days to talk him off the cliff. He was still in that probationary period. I thought he could leave any minute. You know, I think about weird things sometimes. That's certainly one of them. It took 66 days for the Mayflower to make its way across the Atlantic. They ran into severe storms and they had trouble with bouts of very intense seasickness. Who knows, this is the worst thing on the face of the earth, seasickness, yeah. Not fun. But when they're not in a storm or not getting sick, I wonder what they thought about. I wonder what they talked about. I wonder what they dreamed about. What are you gonna do when you get there? I don't know, what do you think it's gonna look like? I don't really know. You think it'd be cleared land? Yeah. I wanna set up a general store, I wanna do a, I wanna be a blacksmith, I wanna clear some land, I wanna have land far enough away from other people like they can't make me sick. I bet a lot of them talked about that. I wanna, I wanna start a life, I wanna break horses and sell horses to people who come and settle. Uh, I wanna open a bank, I wanna be a banker. What are you gonna do? Well, I wanna try not to get killed. I'm gonna claim whatever land I can. 
they all had some idea, some preconceived notion of what life would look like here in this land. Farmers wanted to settle crops and study the soil, and some wanted to marry and settle down and raise children. And they knew life was going to be different. They're going to have greater freedoms here. They knew it because they didn't have great freedoms where they came from. It was going to be an adventure. There was a, an element of uh, curiosity, uh, bewilderment. It's like I'm on an adventure here, and I frankly really don't know where it's going <coughs> or how it's going. Yeah, I can hear their conversations on the boat. What does life look like today in this country? Is it all that different than it was back then? I've got some statistics for you I want to show you. You know, you can look at the average lifespan of an American right now, and it'll vary by probably four or five years, but it's going down. Let me say that again. Life expectancy is going down. We're dying quicker. Here's some things that you may not know about our country. We, in our culture, we sleep 23 years of our life. That's a lot. We work 16 years. We watch TV for eight years in a, in a life. I wonder if these people were thinking about that on the boat. We travel six years, we leisure four and a half years. Unless you live in Highlands, you're a member of a country club, that's 45 years. <laughs> Illness, we're sick for about four years of our life. We spend two years dressing. Well, that must be a male, it cannot be a female. Oh, this is impressive. 0.5 years in religious activity. That totals 100%. I don't know what your life looks like, but that's one way to look at life. In an average lifetime, the average American spends $89,281 on food unless you shop at Ingalls and live in Highlands. Consume 109,354 pounds of food. Makes 811 trips to McDonald's. Come on. I haven't been at McDonald's in 12 years. Someone else is having to pick up my slack. Pray for that person. Eats 35,138 cookies. The, come on. That sounds low to me. That sounds low. 1,483 pounds of candy. There's no way, Six, 68.81, that much, almost $7,000 in vending machines? Catch 304 colds. Well, the candy kind of explains the colds. Is involved in six motor vehicle accidents, hospitalized eight times men and 12 times women. And again, spends 23 years sleeping. Is that life? Is that what we want our life to look like? Can our lives simply be summed up with such activities and statistics as that? Is, that's not very comforting. That makes me look like a basically slothful glutton who needs to be hospitalized often. Is that life? It can't be life. There has to be more. And then they have this word in the preamble, liberty, freedom. At its core, a freedom from tyrannical rule, a freedom from taxation without representation. They wanted representation for the decisions being making about their life. 
Now we have representation, but we don't like the representatives. We're never happy. Freedom, the opportunity to fulfill the American dream, to make personal choices, to educate ourselves where we want, to, to operate in a capitalistic society, to vote for national, local, and regional representatives, to build our own business. Yes, we like that freedom. We like life and we like freedom. No disrespect to the preamble and no disrespect to the forefathers of our country. I'm mindful today of a different father. Not a forefather, but a father that has always been. Abba, Father, hallowed be thy name, our Father which art in heaven. Is his definition of life the same as our national definition of life? Is his definition of freedom equal to our definition, culturally speaking, of freedom, at least at our inception? Yeah, I seem to remember a father who not only gave us a great start, but he's both the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I seem to remember a document, something along the lines of scripture, holy inspired scripture, written by men who were carried along by the Holy Spirit, who may, if we're not careful, provide for us a different definition of both life and liberty. Perhaps may have been missed originally. Can we come back and maybe widen and deepen our definition? For if that's what life is, I need more. If, if that's what your life is, I don't want to speak for you or at you, but you need more. If your life is simply working, sleeping, breathing in and out, and eating cookies, you need someone more, not something more. And that's why you're here today, whether you realize it or not. You see, between you and the Lord, he's the only one between the two of you who knew what was gonna be said here today and he's the one who brought you here, so apparently he has something to say that we all need to hear that would impart to us a deeper understanding, experiential, experiential understanding of life and the meaning of it and liberty and our need for it. Life and liberty. How does your spiritual pro preamble go, my friend? Yes, these words similar looking, similar sounding, but differing in depth, origin, and application, and insightfulness, life. I am the way, the truth, and the life, says Christ. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He is the life, he is the zoe in Greek, word for life. He, well, we've referred to him many times since we opened this service. He's in part the lion in your lungs. He is the life of God within you. 
You are a tabernacle of life. Whether you're accessing that life, whether you're aware of that life, whether you're suppressing or repressing that life is a different story. But if you are a believer, then that life is in you. Now, they didn't say anything about that in the preamble. I'm saying it from a different document now. I mean nothing against those who wrote it. I don't quite have the full scope of their intended meaning, but I do know that this meaning of life in the Bible is something like this. That life abides in you. It is the bread of life. It nourishes you. It quickens you. It emboldens you. It uh, stirs you. I I have a hard time sometimes. I, I have a hard time dealing with this life. A life that never leaves you alone. A life that's always present. A life that always wants your best, but is always calling you to, stirring you. Always uh bringing more vitality to your life. I don't have a problem with that. It's like, it's nonstop. I don't know, do you understand what I'm talking about? I, I, I meet guys and play golf and stuff, and usually around the first or second hole, and well, what do you do for a living? I'm a, I'm a minister at Community Bible Church right over there, I'm a, right around the corner. And the look on their face for some of them is like, oh man, I came out here to play golf, now I gotta struggle about my curse words. <laughs> like just, just look of chagrin on their face. Like, dude, don't, don't, don't blame me. Keep your head down. <laughs> you have a, I hear you have a pretty good following over there. I've heard that one. I've heard things about that church. I've heard that one too. That could mean anything. I've heard things about that cult or those uh, 31 flavors, Baskin Robbins you got over there. Everything from a, a backslid Catholic to a charismaniac you got over there. I don't know what you got going on over there, but I hear about it. People can go to a church and then they can leave a church. They can go to a church and stay and then leave without any kind of notice. I, I don't care about all that. What I want to know What I want to know is that life, that life, that vitality, is that there ever present? Is that an all-day thing, all-night thing? Do you wake up in the morning and say to yourself, I I can serve God today. I cannot believe my life. In my life, I eat cookies and get paid to talk about life. Is that life of Christ abiding in you? Is it stirring you? Is it, is it quickening? Is it pulling and wooing you? Is it correcting you? Is it challenging you? Is it coming out of you? Is it being shared through you? Is it coming out in the, in the form of counsel and, and wisdom? What's that life doing? Because if, if church to you is likened to the Rotary Club or the Chamber of Commerce, I'm sorry, my friend. Where's the life? You come into this place and leave You better have encountered the life of Christ, the Zoe stirring, convicting vitality of the the resurrected Christ. You come out of here and leave going like, man, that was boring. Something's wrong. If If you come here and leave and it's like, got that done, next. 
If you're not impacted by the life of Christ, if you're not convicted, encouraged, inspired, rebuked, corrected, if you're not loved on and encouraged and you're not helped in some way, then you didn't encounter the life. The life, man, the life of the Spirit. It's alive. See, we don't worship a dead God in this church. We worship a God who died and was resurrected. And because of such, we ought to think different, feel different, say different, laugh different things, not laugh at other things. We ought to have insight and answers to things others don't. We ought to have perspective nobody's thought of. We ought to have wisdom that nobody even think existed. We ought to be uncommon, not common. We ought to be unpredictable, not predictable. We ought to be seeing to a person's soul, not just hover some superficial general malaise of a conversation that means nothing to anyone. That's that life I showed you up there, the life of Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you live an unsatisfied life, a, a life of, of unsatisfaction, of, of if, if you're bored or apathetic, you need an infusion of the life of the Spirit of God. You need to be at this altar tonight, this morning, and be altered at the altar. You need the life of the Spirit of God moving and shaking and stirring you, moving on, on you, in you, through you. We talk about church, we don't talk about life. Life. These guys, maybe they had it together. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Maybe they had it, I don't know, I can't say. But I'm less concerned about them and I'm very concerned about you. Do you have the life of Christ working in your relationships, in your parenting, in your prayer? Do you have a prayer life? I would say it's better not to have a prayer life than have one that has no life to it. Stop praying if there's no life to what you're doing. You're creating a false reality. You're, you're only disappointed. Get the life, get the spirit. Fill me with your spirit. That's what we need. We live in a land that, make no mistake about it, is the greatest country on the face of the earth. But at the same time, even this morning, we're slaughtering one another. We are slaughtering one another, shooting one another, maiming and murdering and killing one another. We need life and life more abundantly. Notice, it didn't say life and abundance. We don't need the life of Christ so we can have an abundant life. We need a, the abundance of the life of Christ. I'm waiting for that to sink in. You don't come to Christ to live a life of abundance. You need life and life more abundantly. You need, I need, we all need someone in this death-crazed culture we live in to speak about the vitality of the resurrected life of Christ at work daily, moment by moment. As you drive your trucks to work, as you sit at a desk, as you parole, uh, Peruse the streets as a police officer. Whatever it is you do, where is the life? 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men. What lights you up? I got a one-question quiz for you, and it might, might be a bit disappointing. What jacks you up? What gets you going? And if it's not the life, the power, the authority, the love of God, what really would displace that in your life? Please don't say a two handicap. I just come over off the, I've come at you over the pew at you. If you compare the life of Christ that gets, doesn't get you going, but a two handicap gets you excited, life man. There needs to be a heart cry from the bedrooms and the, and the footboards of the beds of this church tonight. Give me this life fresh and anew in abundance. In abundance. Ever flowing, never stopping, never ceasing. Life, 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 life. Purpose, meaning, resolve, satisfaction, joy, laughter, life. We're grading churches. We're, we're grading ministries. We're, 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 we're casting aspersions on him and her and this and that denomination. Put it all to bed. Just talk about the life. Do you have the life of Christ? Teenager, if there's a teenager here today, let me tell you something. You get this life actively moving in your heart and mind. You want to talk about popular. You want to talk about influential. You want to talk about being a leader. You are surrounded on a daily basis at your school with kids that are basically empty, wanting to be filled. You have the answers, you have the wisdom, you have the direction. You're the wisest person in your school, and I'm including the teachers, because you know where you've been, you know where you are, and you know where you're going. Most of the people in your school have no idea on any of those things. Ask for the life of the Spirit to fill you like 10,000 waterfalls. There's your prayer. And don't stop. Life. This could be a little convicting. It's supposed to. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ and you're looking at me like, this guy truly is nuts, truly, then you have your life. But between the two of us, I'm the only one that knows about the other life. And I'm telling you, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you would agree with that today, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, I'm not alone. Life. Liberty. Liberty was rooted in the taxation without representation. Nothing wrong with that. That sounds great. Sound, I like it. Not against it in any way, shape, or form. But surely, I mean, come on. Eh? Once you resolve that, what do you work on? 
Well, once you got the representation, you don't have a problem anymore and you got the liberty. Is that it? Does it stop there? Do you just maintain what you have? No, no, I'm talking about a, a broader, deeper liberty. What kind of liberty am I talking about? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom to cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Freedom, freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from my own self. Listen to what I'm about to say here. How much of the harm that comes your way is self-inflicted? There's a freedom. Come on, my soul. Come on, my soul. Let's get your spirit full of life telling your soul what it's going to do and not do and tell your flesh what it's going to do and not do. Who's in the driver's seat? Who's got the steering wheel? Is your spirit full of the life of the Holy Spirit and Christ himself? Is it telling your mind what it's going to think about, taking captive every thought, what kind of attitude you're going to have, how you're going to feel? Who's in charge? Because if your spirit is dwindled down and dwarfed and stuck in a corner, sitting there unaffected and not affecting anything else, and your mind, your will, and your emotions are at hand here, we've got a problem. That's not life. That's death. How many of your problems are self-inflicted? Who needs an enemy prowling about like a sepid little imp when we can hurt ourselves time and time and time again? We need freedom from self. We need to pick up our cross daily, deny ourselves and follow Christ. We need, we need some authority and a hierarchy within ourselves as to who's in charge here. Is my gut in charge? Am I going to eat 38,000 cookies? Who's in charge here? Is my spirit, my soul, my belly? Life and liberty. They had the words right. They had them right. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No longer a slave. No longer a slave. I'm not a slave to my own appetites, my own lusts, my own desires. The life is increasing. The life is taking up the space in my head, the space in my heart. It's dispelling the things that are not good for me. I'm gaining the life of Christ. I know, I know a lot of you are in town and I know you're visiting and I know you're gonna go back home. Go back home, but you go back to a place where you get life where you get fed, where you get nourished with spiritual bread like the bread of life that nourishes you and fills you and satisfies you and energizes you and, and, and sends you out looking for more and more life. Infinite bread, the kind you give away and give away and give away and it keeps adding back up with leftovers. The infinite bread, not the temporal life, the eternal life. You're about something eternal, friend. You're not about temporal. You're not about getting by. You're not about maintaining you're not about the status quo. You're about overcoming, about victory. You're about making change. You're about eternal, lasting. You're not about bearing fruit. You're about bearing fruit that lasts. Go to a church where you can get some life. And don't be satisfied with the idea that you attended. 
Nobody cares. Nobody cares. You attend where you're getting life and life abundantly. Amen. There's been about three occasions today, you missed all three, where there was some actually some good preaching. You're no longer a slave. You're no longer a slave to fear. What is fear? Fear is the absence of love. Perfect love casts out fear. You're not afraid. That's what I say. When you worship, your, your mind is steadfast on an audience of one, friend. Steadfast upon him. That's where perfect peace comes from. If you don't have peace but you have anxiety, you have a deficiency in worship. You need a prescription for an hour of worship, three or four nights a week in a room, closed, locked, lights on or off, you, worshiping. That's the medicinal aspect. It dispels fear, anxiety, compulsion. It saves you tens of thousands of dollars in, sorry, counseling. For those of you who don't worship and don't want to and aren't going to, I'll introduce you to some counselors right after the service. Worship, 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 worship. You see, the bigger God is, the smaller your problems are. The more you magnify him, the less you magnify your issues. The more you extol and lift his name on high, the more he, he's the lifter of your own head, the glory and the lifter of your head. Yeah, these forefathers, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I got a little issue with this one. I gotta be honest. You don't wanna pursue happiness. You really don't. Happiness is just something that worked out, even if randomly it happened by happenstance, and because it did, you feel good. You don't wanna pursue that. What you wanna pursue is something that's lasting. When the world's fallen apart, you still have it because it came from the one who gave it to you, the one who embodies it, the one who has manifested. You want joy. You don't want happiness. You want joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. The joy you have in the midst of many trials, James talks about. Joy when you lack and joy when you have plenty. You want joy of the Lord as your strength. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. You want joy. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of joy, which is the same thing as seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You don't have enough money to get joy. You don't have enough time for everything to work out the way you want it to work out. There ain't gonna be enough random happenstance to bring you happiness. You want joy. You want joy that is authentic in the deepest, darkest of times and joy that is authentic in the greatest pinnacles and mountaintops of life. You want joy because joy is a fruit of the spirit. Happiness is not. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. But A for effort on the Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. A good start. 
We've improved on it, though, something called the New Testament. And once you get into it, you delight yourself in the Lord, and he gives you the desires of your heart. You wake up in the morning with a purpose because you're quickened and enlivened by the Spirit of God. You do what you're called to do, created to do, what their nature is to do in Christ. You serve, you worship, and everything. Then comes an area of your Christian walk, you know, what's it called? Maturity. Maturity. What is that? Whoever is going to be great among you must become your servant, and whoever will be first among you will be a slave to all. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There is a place you can go and live and live abundantly. The place where in Christ you relinquish your rights to become a slave to someone else, to walk the second mile, to pick up the pack, to be a servant leader. I'm going to say a word. It's not yet a cuss word, but it will day, one day be sacrifice. Sacrifice. Say it while you still can. Before no one even knows what the definition is. Sacrifice. Go without. Look out not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Become someone's bond servant. As our worship team comes forward, we're gonna open our altar. What does this mean? It's an intentional time for you, and I mean you, or you as couples, or as a parent and a child, to come and to kneel down as an outward sigh of an inward cry. An outward plea for an inward need. A public statement that I need thee, Lord. I need thee. New life. Abundant life. Sacrifice. Joy. I need a spiritual hierarchy in my own inner being. I need to relinquish my relationship with food. I cannot have my flesh involved anymore. I need to relinquish the power of the flesh and my lust and appetites. I need purity in my life. I need more of the life of Christ, the Spirit of God. I need this life, liberty, and the pursuit of joy. Now, because you come here doesn't mean you're struggling with an area. You come here so you don't. But you come and be still. Be still, something very unusual. And do little to nothing but be still and know that he is God and let him infuse you with new life.
Let people who have prepared for this moment pray over you, sing over you, minister to you. This is the part where you do little and receive much. And when that time is over, stay right where you're at and we're gonna pray for this great land of ours, amen? May you have the liberty and the freedom to come and kneel at this altar or at this pew or in these wings. Once these, you are here, elders, I'd like for you to just come up here and pray around people. And I got a news, I got something for you. You're in a sanctuary, but I want you to take sanctuary. I want you to rest in the presence of God. Shh. Come as you feel that.